appreciate it. Appreciate the, uh, the, uh, the support. Amen. I really am uh, eager to get into the word of the Lord this morning. I believe the Lord gave me something for this service today. And, uh, but I am going to need your help. I um, can't do it on my own. Pastor said many, many times that preaching is not a one-man show. So that means it's a more than one man show. Now, where did the other people come from? Where did the other men come from? Yes. It's not a trick question. <laughs> it's you and it's me, and we work together to accomplish the work of the Holy Ghost. Amen. That's what happens in the house of God, and we are in the house of God this morning. In fact, that is what I want to talk to you today about. I want to talk about the house of God. Amen. Genesis chapter 28 Verse 17, I give honor to my pastor. I understand that I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for his, at his request. Amen. So I honor him, but I also honor this church family for your faithfulness to the house of God. And I also wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. So thankful to each of you who have been faithful to God's house. Did you come believing that God is going to speak to you this morning? Or uh, are we just doing it out of obligation? Can I ask that question without making enemies? This is, uh, this, what, what is going on in this sanctuary this morning is more than just uh, events on schedules. This is a, a time and a place that is dedicated to the Lord. And it is more than just more than just uh, Brother Jared standing up here, more than just Brother Larson leading songs, more than just my wife and his wife singing and Sister Tori playing. Uh, what makes this a special place is that we all come together with the same purpose, the same mind. And, um, and we're going to talk about four criteria this morning that identifies the house of God. And uh, hopefully you can help me. Um, but if you don't help me, I'll, I'll, I'll do it, I guess, on my own, but it'll be a lot better if you help me. Genesis chapter 28, verse 17 says, And he was afraid, talking about Jacob, and said, How dreadful is this place! This is none other but the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. I want you to think about that phrase for a minute. What, what did he mean by that, Brother Hall? The gate of heaven. Where, where is, what is, what is heaven? It's the place that God dwells. It's the place where God's presence lasts uninterrupted, with, without end. It's the perfect place. It's paradise. It's what, it's, it's, it is the place of God's presence. So this morning, I want to talk to you about the house of God. Why don't we pray, lay down our Bibles, ask the Lord to touch each of our minds, touch each of our hearts. Church, I'm going to need your help this morning. This is, this is, uh, this is, a, this is a multiplayer uh, engagement this morning. Let's, all, let's get engaged together. God, we ask you for your touch. We thank you for this opportunity. Be in your house. Pray that you would eliminate every distraction. Lord, every, every opportunity for the enemy, God, to introduce himself. I pray, Lord, that your spirit, God, would overshadow this house. I plead your blood upon this sanctuary, upon every mind, upon every heart, every body, every sick body. Touch those who are at home, God, not able to be in your house today, Lord, because of sickness in their, your, their body. I pray, Lord, that you would Lord, perform the miracle that's needed. Let divine healing meet with them where they are. Touch Brother Kent. Touch mom, I pray in the name of Jesus, we believe you. Why don't we clap our hands to the Lord this morning. Thank him for this opportunity to be in his house. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Man, you can be seated this morning. Amen. I want to point out, and I will move on after I make this observation for you. Um, it is not... It isn't um, lost on me 
that, that the enemy is taking advantage of this time. I, I will relay for you, and this has nothing to do with my notes, but I, wanna, I just want to make this point and we'll move on. I'm not scared. I'm not fearful of what the enemy can do. Um, but I want to make this point, and I want to draw this, draw your attention to this because it's important that you're aware of this that, that as well. Uh, I got a call yesterday, and um, a man that we all know mentioned to me that his daughter was on his way on her way home from on her way home from work, and um, she she was on the phone with a family member, and her uh, she felt a presence in the vehicle with her, and um, it scared her. It produced fear in her heart, and, and so she didn't want to even get off the phone with uh, the person she was talking to because uh, she was scared that she wouldn't be able to get on the phone with anybody else. And so uh, even her dad was trying to contact her, and she wouldn't answer the phone because that, but eventually things worked out where her dad could get a hold of her. But... Um, because of the situation that was happening, and uh, and and then after uh, this this didn't this wasn't just like a momentary lapse. This was this was a, an elongated period of time, and uh, the the girl uh, started hearing laughter in the back seat. And she was the person that she was talking to. She she asked, "Do you hear that? Do you hear that laughter? Do you hear? Uh, it sounds like somebody's making fun of me for thinking that something is going on." And um, person on the phone said, "No, I don't. I don't hear anything." And it was just her. But um, the the person that called me was her. You know, uh, mentioned that when 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 she got home, that the spirit, uh, when they opened the door, got out and attacked him. And it was a similar spirit that um, that he had wrestled with in the past. And um, and and some other events unfolded. I'm I'm I don't want to take the time to relay, but but uh, so, so there's that point. And then just last night, I was in the sanctuary praying, and I spent a good while in the sanctuary, and um, and I I also was attacked by a spirit of fear, and uh, and uh, hairs stood up. I got goose pimples all over my body, and 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 I'm not generally a fearful person. Uh, but, but, but I couldn't shake it. And I had to go home, and me and my wife prayed together. And uh, then we, I felt liberty. Um, and I shot a text message to a couple of friends and asked for prayer. But um, I felt the Lord break it last night. But I just want you to understand that that what is going on. We're, we're not just playing games. It's um, and God has designed His church for the pur- for that purpose. So that we would have a safe place to come. That God's presence dwells. And his presence is perfect. It drives out all fear. Hallelujah. So I want to talk to you this morning about the, the uh, house of God. Let me make one more point with that. And that is, you know, Pastor mentioned before, we moved, before he left and, we, and before we moved on into this new year that, that, um, that we would be in a battle. That we would be fighting. And I think Tuesday night I, I will begin uh, talking about that teaching on warfare, spiritual warfare, because I think it's relevant. I think it's appropriate for this time and that we as a church need to understand how to combat spiritually, how we need to uh, raise up in, in faith and believe that God is able. There is, uh, I heard Elder Johnson talk about when, uh, you know, he, he gets fed up with churches and people that that uh, constantly uh, bring attention to the spirit world that as they are in the service because he said, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. When I bind that spirit, I rebuke it and cast it on the name of Jesus. There is liberty. And you can't bring it in if you wanted to. Just like the demoniac of Gadara, when he came to Jesus, he came bowing and he said, Lord, tell me what to do. And the, even a legion of spirits could not bind that man to the point where he couldn't worship God. So we do have the authority. We do have power, scripturally and spiritually. And I feel a holy boldness coming on me even right now. But I think that is, uh, let me just uh, put a pause on that. We'll, we'll revisit that on Tuesday night. But church, be in prayer. Don't just passively, don't go blasé into this week. But go into this week intentionally praying, asking for God's uh, grace, asking for God's spirit, asking for the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. I don't think it's any 
uh, mistake or coincidence that, that, um, that various distractions have occurred in this very service. Because I believe God has a purpose for this service. And the enemy doesn't want to see that come to pass. All right? All right. God has always wanted a place to meet with his people. Amen. God has uh, purposed this from the very beginning when he created the Garden of Eden for Adam and Eve. What was the purpose of the Garden of Eden? It was a holy place, a perfect place without sin, without flaw, without error. It had an hedge built around it. Why? To protect it from uh, outside forces that would defile amen, that garden. And the garden was a place of the presence of God where man would enter in and commune with God on a daily basis. That's, that was God's original intention with mankind. Amen. And, uh, and because of the fall of man, there was a, a, a distance, a place put between, a gap put between man and God. And, um, and so we find various patterns emerge in Scripture that I want to talk about this morning. And um, I don't know how this is going to turn out. I don't have any, um, I don't have any, uh, specific conclusion that I want to draw other than allowing the Holy Ghost to minister to everyone in this house this morning. Amen. But I want you to understand that, that there is a place and there is a time where you can go to. Where you can meet with God. And God can speak to you and you can speak to God. All right? Amen. And uh, the primary purpose of the house of God is to restore that original relationship between man and God. And its, it's, uh, its purpose is to get our fallen nature back into that place. Back into the presence of God. All right? Amen. So I want to, talk, I want to walk with you through Scripture this morning. And, um, and we'll talk about places that... that scripturally identify as the house of God. The house of God begins at an altar. Uh, you, can, you, you can't have a place that's dedicated to God if you don't talk to Him in that place. You might call it God's house. It might, it might bear the, the moniker, the house of God, the church of God in Christ, the, the, all these different names. It, it might have the house of God on the sign on the outside. But if there is no altar, if there is no place for you to commune with God within that house, it is not the house of God. So the house of God begins at an altar and we begin to see that pattern emerge Amen. with Abram. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, into a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. Amen. And, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had together, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land unto the place of Sychem, and unto the plain of Morah. And the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, I want you to notice what happened in this scripture. The Bible says that the Lord appeared unto Abram. The Lord appeared unto Abraham. The presence of God was there. And said, unto thy seed will I give this land. It wasn't just that the Lord appeared and his presence was there, but also the Lord began to speak to them. Speak to him in this place. He said, unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. 
Abraham decided that this was such an important event in his own life that I'm going I'm to mark this place. I'm going to mark this time. I'm going to mark what God, I'm going to take note of what God spoke to me here. And then I want you to also notice in the upcoming scripture, verse 8, not only did the Lord speak to Abram in this passage or in this place where he built his altar, where the Lord appeared unto him, but verse 8 says, And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. And there he built an, an, an altar unto the Lord and do what? He called upon the name of the Lord. This altar was not just a place that marked the place where God's presence was, presence was, Sister Kathy, but it was also the place where God spoke to Abram. And also the place where Abram spoke to God. The house of God. This was the house of God, although it wasn't um, named that at this time. It was merely an altar, just a structure, just a place that would Remind Abram of the time where God spoke to him. Remind Abraham of the place that God spoke to him. Remind Abraham of a place where he could speak to God. And so, um, it, this isn't the only time, but Abraham initiated the practice of ensuring there was a place for God not far from his home. Even after moving a couple of times. This is, a, this is an early principle that, that doesn't matter where you go in life. It doesn't matter where life takes you. That you, all, you always need to have a place that's designated for God. Are you with me this morning? It doesn't matter where you go, no matter where you build your home. If you come uh, uh, from the West Coast and move to the East Coast, or if you move into the Midwest, doesn't matter, or you go into another country altogether, there should be a place, uh, amen, as a child of God, for God to meet with you. And for you to meet with God, there should also be a time that you designate and remind yourself that this is God's house. This is God's place. This is a place where I can speak with God. Genesis chapter 13, verse 14, the Lord said to Abram, after that, Lot was separated from him. Lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed forever. What a promise, the Lord speaking to him again. Verse 16, and I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then, thou shalt, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land in the length of it and in the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. Then Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the place of Mamre, which is, he, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. Amen. The altar served, as I mentioned, multiple purposes. Number one, to designate the place where God would meet with Abraham. It would also serve as a place where God spoke to Abraham. It would recognize a place where Abraham could speak with God. And it would recognize the time where Abraham would speak with God or God would meet with him. And I'm just, this is just going to be, uh, this is just going to be, I'm going to reiterate this point over and over and over until we get to the end. And, and, and um, so Isaac, Isaac is the next person we find in Scripture who also uh, built an altar. Um, in Genesis chapter 26, we, we notice how closely Isaac was watching his father. And in verse 23 of Genesis chapter 26, the Bible tells us that the Lord appeared unto him the same night. He appeared unto Isaac. And said, I am God, God, the God of Abraham thy father. He began to speak to him. Fear not, for I am with thee and will bless thee and will multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. Verse 25, and he built an altar there. And he called upon the name of the Lord. And pitched his tent there, and there Isaac's servants digged a well. 
Amen. It, you could see, again, all, the same pattern that we found with Abraham, where Abraham, no matter where he went, wherever he pitched his tent, that there was, an, there was a place not too far from home that he would call the altar for the Lord. And that's where God would meet with him. God would appear to him. God would speak with him where he would speak with God. That he would call upon the name of the Lord. And it designated that time where God uh, met with him. And then we find Jacob, the son of Isaac, who also began this pattern. In Genesis uh, chapter 35, um, I don't know if it was because of Jacob's uh, deceitful uh, attitude or if it was because of his personality or his nature. Um, maybe it was because Jacob ran away from home early on in his life and he didn't have the time to observe Isaac as closely as Isaac observed Abraham. But the time where, G where God spoke, met with and spoke to Jacob, amen, Jacob didn't take the time to set up an altar. Um, in, in Genesis chapter 35, we read where the Lord commands Jacob to go back to that place. To go back to a place where God met with him and go and build the altar there. Genesis chapter 35 verse 1, the Bible tells us, And God says, said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, and dwell there, and make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. Amen. The, the name Bethel... Uh, it means the house of God. Beth means house, and El is a reference to Elohim or shortened form of Elohim, and therefore the name Bethel means the house of God. And, and so while Jacob placed the label on this place, he didn't erect an altar. He didn't take the time to designate uh, uh, the, the time that it was where God met with him. I want you to, uh, to, to just rewind in your mind as we focus in on this message. This I feel the Holy Ghost in what I'm telling you this morning. Amen. That, that it was a moment in Jacob's life where, where distress was the rule of the land. And, and he was concerned about uh, what was going to befall him what Esau would do to him and so he took off from home uh, he took off uh, amen in uh, in a in a spirit of fear uh, running away from what Esau could do and God met with him God took that opportunity to give him a dream and uh and we all know the story, and for the sake of time, if I inserted every scripture here, uh, we would be here a long time. I've already got like 11 pages of notes, and I, it's, uh, so we've got a ways to go. So please forgive me for the abbreviated story here, but uh, if you'll bear with me. It, Jacob, uh, of course we know, let me just kind of abbreviate the story for everyone here to, to get the context in your mind, where Jacob and his brother, uh, they were at odds. Jacob, uh, he lived in tents, and his brother hunted. And, and his dad, Isaac, um, loved Esau more than he loved Jacob. And I don't, it may have been personality driven. I don't know the details. But, but the Bible, the name Jacob means uh, supplanter or deceiver. And so true to his name, Jacob uh, deceives his father and steals uh, the, the blessing from his father. Not only did he steal the blessing from his father, but he stole a birthright from his brother, the birthright from his brother, the right of birth, the, the, the inheritance, the promises uh, of land and wealth from his dad, all that his dad would amass uh, in, in, in Scripture. Uh, there, there is uh, the pattern where, where the, the firstborn would receive double. So you, you think about uh, what... Uh, the, the oldest son would receive double than all the other siblings together. And so in this case, Esau would receive two-thirds of all that his father owned. And Jacob would receive only one-third. But because Jacob deceived Esau, he... He received that inheritance of the, the, the two-thirds. And, and, and then beyond that, he got the blessing of his father in, in, on his life. And, and so God uh, had his hand on Jacob early on. Uh, and, and, but Jacob, because of his deceitful and supplanting ways, God, he, he made his family mad. 
He made his brother mad. He made his dad mad. And so he took off in his own uh, to, to protect himself. And it was in this time of concern and fear and distress, as the Bible puts it, that, that, that God met with Jacob. And, and you can't justify what Jacob has done. He deserved the threatenings that were coming from his brother and his dad. He deserved uh, the, the judgment that would befall him because he lied. He deceived. He, he stole. He, he used uh, manipulative tactics to get what he wanted. But even with that kind of guy, God met with him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So um, we can find, and I, I may just turn there for the, I know I've got it a little bit later, but I want to bring this up now. Genesis chapter 20, let me see, I believe it's 25 or 28. Yeah, verse 28. In fact, let me just read it here. Brother Josh, can you skip down to verse 28, uh, chapter 28, verse 11? This is where Jacob landed when he ran away from his family. The Bible says in verse 11 that he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took up, he took up the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and laid down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up, in, uh, set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascended and descended on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac. The land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth. And thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And, and in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. That, that sounds really familiar. That message from God never changed. It went from Abram to Isaac to Jacob. And the message that you hear at the house of God shouldn't ever change. And, but the Lord goes on to speak in verse 50. He says, and behold, I, I am with thee. And will keep thee in all places whither thou goest. And will bring thee again into this land. For I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken uh, to thee of. Why did he mention that last part? Because he was running away. He was running away from the land that God promised to him. And he said, I'm going to bring you back. The promises that I made to Abram and to Isaac, you have now received those promises. But somehow, I, and again, I, I don't know what the reason is. But I want you to observe this with me this morning. That when Jacob finished his encounter with God here, he didn't take the time to build the altar. He did build a pillar. He established a pillar. Genesis chapter 28 verse 18. Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar. And poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. For the name of that city was called Luz at the first. It is, uh, it is in this place that, that Jacob heard a message from, directly from God. It wasn't deniable in any way. Jacob recognized somehow. And, and I don't, again, I, I don't know uh, the details here. You just have to imagine with me. But Jacob recognized, uh, perhaps from the stories of, of Isaac and Abram, but, but Jacob recognized, yes, that, that's the word from God. That's the voice of God. He's speaking to me. Maybe it was the message that God gave because it was so similar to what his dad and his grandfather had heard. But, but somehow Jacob discerned that, yes, the Lord is speaking to me here. And, and I'll take it a step beyond that, Brother Hall. It wasn't just the voice of God that he recognized in that place. But Genesis chapter 28, verse 16. This is the same passage, just a few scriptures before Jacob awaked out of his sleep and said, 
Surely. The Lord is in this place. And I knew it not. He, he, he recognized that, that God's presence was here. In fact, verse 17, we read in our text, and he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place. This is none other but the house of God. Surely this is God's own house. Surely this is God's dwelling place because I feel his presence and I heard his voice here. Hallelujah. How often do we come to a place, uh, even church service after church service, and we recognize the presence of God? Hallelujah. And we, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost this morning. And we feel him in his presence. And we hear his voice as the man of God labors under the word of God. And it connects with us. And we recognize and we say, wow, what a good service. That was wonderful. Preacher, do it again. Give me another message. Give me another word. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. But listen to me. Just because you call it the house of God, just because you place the name on it, just because it's the label in your address book, doesn't mean, I mean, it's actually the place that God dwells in your life. Let me, let me, be, let me take that point a little bit further. God said it's important if you call it my house that you don't just recognize my presence, uh, that you don't just recognize my voice, uh, but that you remember the time. What was the time for Jacob? What was the time? It was the time of distress, Genesis chapter 35, verse 3, and uh, the Bible tells us, let us arise and go to Bethel, and I will make there an altar unto God, who answered me in the day of my distress. The Lord in verse 1 commanded him, go back to the place where I met with you when you were fleeing the face of Esau. Jacob, do you remember that right now you're living on easy street? You, you have all the things handed to you. You've got a beautiful family. You've got children. You've got wealth. Uh, Genesis chapter 35 is some 20 years later possibly that after Jacob had fled and, and married two wives and had children, then he gets this command from God, go, go back. We're not done there. Don't be satisfied with just commemorating. Hear me, church. It is a special place, uh, the house of God, where God's presence meet God. God's presence meets with you. And but let me tell you something. God can meet with you in your own home. God can speak to you in your own devotion and in your own prayer and Bible study. Amen. I, I, I'm not trying to minimize, amen, those purposes in the house of God. Amen. But it is not those factors alone, amen, that construct the house of God. Hallelujah. Amen. It is a place and a time that you designate. It requires your dedication. It requires your commitment. It requires your time. Hallelujah. It requires your place. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 35 verse 1, God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, dwell there. Don't just pass through this time. Don't just lay your head down on a pillow, wake up in the morning, and disappear to a foreign land this time. This is going to be your home. Dwell there. Build your house there. Set up shop. And don't only dwell there, but make there an altar unto God. That appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau, thy brother. I, I want to submit to you this morning that Jacob called it the house of God. It was an important place to him. He commemorated the, time, he commemorated, uh, the presence of God and the voice of God in his life. Amen. But he did not realize 
his obligation to go back there. He didn't realize and understand the requirement to take time to spend there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many times, let me just stop here for a moment before I move too much further. We got, we've got a little bit of time this morning. How many times have you come to the house of God in a, in a, as Asaph felt, where my feet were almost gone, my steps had well nigh slipped. I was ready to throw in the towel. I was tired of fighting. I was tired of putting in the effort. But I went to the house of God, and Sister Bonnie, somehow, in my storm, in my turmoil, God spoke to me. God met with me there. Let me tell you something. That is the house of God. It, it was, and I'm, I may be jumping ahead of myself a little bit here, but for the children of God, when they exited bondage, they went through what? They went through the wilderness. And it was in the wilderness, in their time of distress, in the time of change, in a time of transformation, where God said, I want you to build for me a tabernacle. I want to meet with you. It doesn't matter if there's beautiful walls and carpet. It doesn't have to be carpet. I just want a place that you dedicate to me. I want a time that I can meet with you. Go back. Don't forget. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to abbreviate some of this here. For the, for the, in the interest of time and, and your attention this morning. Amen. But when Moses and the children of Israel, when they left Egypt, they were given specific commands. I don't want to go through all those details. You can read it for yourself in the book of Exodus. But verse 8 of Exodus chapter 28, or 25, I'm sorry. Verse 8 of Exodus chapter 25, the Bible says, let them make me a sanctuary. I want a place. This is in the will. God, in, the will, in, the, in this desert where I'm separated from all civilization and, and I have access to no resources whatsoever. Yes. I want you to designate a time, a place for me to meet with you and for you to meet with me. I want a sanctuary. Think about that word, sanctuary. It's a safe place. It's a haven for the, for the, for the Israelites. Perhaps it was a sanctuary, amen, from, uh, from, the, from the Egyptians as they traveled out of the land of Egypt. I understand the tabernacle wasn't there, amen, at that time, but just give me a little creative liberty, if you will, this morning, amen, that, that, that perhaps they wanted a place that they could run to. It was the Lord that separated them with the Red Sea and covered up the enemy, amen, so the wilderness, even though it was a place of desertion, even though it was a place of separation, it was also a place of safety. Uh, hallelujah. 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 God's presence dwelt in that tabernacle. In Exodus chapter 40, verse, chapter 30, verse 33 says, and he reared up the court round about the tabernacle and the altar. Notice the altar. And set up the hanging of the court gate. So Moses finished the work. Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation. The Bible says, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. But Moses was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation. Because the cloud abode thereon. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. God's presence seemed to. To kick it up a notch 
because the children of Israel. I, I, this makes me wonder, Brother Hall, what it was like in the Garden of Eden. Because for Abram, it was just an altar. For Jacob and Isaac, it was just, a, it was just perhaps a few stones stacked upon one another. Uh, uh, a, their best, but certainly, but it, but it wasn't much. But now, we have erected a tent. We've erected a place in the camp that is designated, and we take time to go and visit with the Lord, and the Lord certainly visits with us. How many times do you read out throughout the Old Testament where the Bible, uh, where the Lord speaks to Moses, said, call the children of Israel to the, to the uh, tent of the congregation, to the tabernacle. I've got something to say to them. I've got a message for my people. And guess where they're going to hear that message? They're going to hear it at the tabernacle. So not only was God's presence there, but it would be a place where God would speak with his people. But it is also a place where the children of Israel would cry out to God. You read the story of Joshua, how Bible says that he was in the tabernacle crying out to God. I, I don't have time to cover all this. You can, you can find it for yourself. But, but it, it is a place where not only would God speak to us, but a tabernacle is also, the tabernacle in the wilderness was also a place, uh, amen, for us, uh, amen, to get a hold of God. And also, in our time of distress, as I mentioned, the wilderness typifies this, but also uh, the altar was there so that they could offer sacrifices and offerings uh, for their times of distress when they were guilty of breaking the commands of God, when they, were, uh, when they had uh, they'd broken God's law. This was a place where they could come in their times of distress. After the kingdom of Israel was better established and they had ended up in the promised land, we read of a time where David is uncomfortable in his own home. First Chronicles chapter 17, verse 1. Now it came to pass as David sat in his house that David said to Nathan the prophet, Lo, I dwell in a house of cedars, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord remaineth under curtains. David said, I'm not happy with this situation. Yeah, I know Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they started out with an altar. And, and now the, the power of God, the, the ark of the covenant, the promises of God, they live in tents. But if we're going to be here a while, why don't we just create a temple? Why don't, we, why don't we create a place, a permanent place for God's presence? The Lord, for a number of reasons, tells David that he's not qualified. But in 1 Chronicles chapter 22, verse 6, Bible tells us that David called for Solomon his son, charged him to build a house for the Lord God of Israel. And David said to Solomon, My son, as for me, it was in my mind to build a house unto the name of the Lord my God. For the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Thou hast shed blood abundantly and hast made great wars. Thou shalt not build a house unto thy na my name, because thou shed much blood Upon the earth in my sight. And I cut it short here. But then he goes on to ask, ask Solomon, I want you to build this house in my stead. I've prepared all the materials. I've got everything ready, laid out. It's all paid for. I need you to get to work. I want you to build a house of God. And I want you to notice. Second um, Chronicles chapter 6 verse 1 Bible says, then said Solomon, the Lord has said that he would dwell in, thick in the thick darkness, but I have built a house of habitation for thee, a place for thy dwelling forever. I want you to understand Solomon's mentality as he begins this construction project, that it was his first and primary purpose would be, it would be a place for God to dwell, for his presence. And the Bible tells us, in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, Brother Larson read a scripture from this same chapter this morning. Amen. But I'm going to back up to verse 1, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 1. Then Solomon. Now when Solomon had made an end of praying, the dedicatory prayer in chapter 6, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the house. 
And the priests could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the, house, the Lord's house. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord uh, and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. This was, as it was intended to be, the place where God would dwell and meet with his people. How could it be called the house of God? How could it be called the temple of God? I think Solomon recognized that the, primary, the first ingredient is that it would be a place where God would meet with his people. But it didn't stop there. The house of God was also a place where God would speak to his people. And we read in 1 Kings chapter 6 that as Solomon, before the tabernacle, before the temple was ever completed, that the Lord began to already speak to Solomon in that place. 1 Kings chapter 6 verse 11 And the word of the Lord came to Solomon, saying, Concerning this house which thou art in building, I will walk, I wilt walk in my statutes and execute my judgments and keep all my commandments to walk in them. Then will I perform my word with thee, which I spake unto David thy father, and I will dwell among the children of Israel and will not forsake my people Israel. Solomon said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to designate this place. It is not only a place where God will dwell, as he said, but it is also a place where God will speak to us. Hallelujah. House of God is not only the place where God dwells and God speaks, but it is a place where we can be, where we could speak to the Lord. Amen. I'm trying to skim through here just a bit for the sake of time. Hallelujah. I, um, and, and, and you can read, and let me just jump down to verse 6. 2 Chronicles chapter 2, verse 6 says, but, but who is able to build him a house, seeing that the heaven and heaven of heavens cannot contain him? Who am I then that I should build him a house, save only to burn sacrifices before him? This is a place Solomon determined where we could call upon the name of the Lord. Where sacrifices and burnt offerings could be made to God. Can I say it this way? This is really not anything more than just a glorified altar. That this place, it might have a room and it might have places and functions around it, but its very purpose is to be that altar that Abraham built, that Isaac built and that Jacob built. Notice what, and I'm, I'm going to paraphrase, you can read the entire chapter of 2 Chronicles, very interesting uh, at this time uh, where, where Solomon begins to pray the dedicatory prayer of uh, the temple as they completed the building. And it's interesting to see how many times he references the stranger and the foreigner people who are not qualified to stand on the temple mount. Yet from its inception, the man of God, the one that was tasked with building this house, said that's exactly what this place is for. It's for not only God's chosen people. There was a time when I, that I remember when I wasn't chosen. There was a time when Abraham wasn't chosen, when Isaac wasn't chosen, where Jacob wasn't chosen. God had to meet with them individually and, and issue his word saying that I'm going to bless you and it's going to be your families. Perhaps Solomon had this in mind when he, he designated the house of God a place of judgment where the way of wicked of the wicked is returned upon his own head and the way of the righteous are justified a place who when they are occupied by the enemy from which its citizens are carried away the people the people's cause can be maintained deliverance can be achieved and victory can be won a place that if the people are plagued with pestilence and sickness where the heavens, when the heavens are shut up and drought grips the land, that healings come. 
this, as we sang this morning, is a place where the rain comes from. The rain is poured out. Where the lost and the lonely stranger, whether they are far or near from their home, can find a place of refuge. Hallelujah. Friend, I, I know that this service may have been taxing on your mind, but if, if I can get your attention for these last few moments, I want to appeal to the children of God this morning, amen, that the house of God is the place where God dwells and where God speaks to its people, and no matter what you have done or no matter where you come from, you can speak to him. Hallelujah. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16 that thou art Peter, verse 18, and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Amen. But you got to have a place. You've got to have the church you've got to have a house for God hallelujah 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 just a few pages later in Matthew chapter 18 if we can skip down amen to verse 18 the Lord begins to quote amen the same words and so I believe he is still ministering on the same subject and he says whatsoever you shall bind on earth and whatsoever you shall loose on earth will be bound in heaven and loosed in heaven verse 19 he says again I say unto you what is that place where the binding occurs? He says that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, and it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. We see Jesus indicating to us, amen, the importance of the assembly of his people, amen, to construct a house of God in the New Testament. Amen, you got to understand, amen, that the house of God isn't brick and mortar or wood and sheetrock or drywall, amen, but it is the assembly of his people with one purpose, that we must be in the presence of God, that we must hear from God, and that we must speak to God. Hallelujah. I mean, it's a persistent, uh, and a, I feel the Holy Ghost here this morning. It's a consistent time uh, that we dedicate to him uh, no matter what life throws our way, uh, no matter how many circumstances uh, try to hinder Hallelujah. This is my altar. This is my place. This is my time of consecration. This is my dedication to God. You can't take it away from me. If the stranger comes, if the enemy comes, if pestilence comes. This is my house of God. This is my house. Hallelujah. Child of God, you got to hear me this morning. Amen. It doesn't matter how uncomfortable times may be. It doesn't matter how uncomfortable you might feel. Hallelujah. Go back like Jacob was commanded to go back to that place. Go back to your Bethel. Hallelujah. Let's take a little bit of time to remember the distress that was plaguing our minds. Let's take a little bit of time. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on, church. We need to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost this morning. Amen. It's this whole service. Amen. The entire time that we've spent dedicated in this service. And it is for this purpose. So God can minister to someone in this place. I feel the Holy Ghost trying to talk to somebody. Amen. Even if you're in distress, even as I'm speaking right now, that you can go back. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Go back, child of God, amen, to the place where he met with you. It doesn't require anything new. It just requires you, amen, to go into that place, to that private place, amen, where nobody's known, where nobody's heard, and build the altar again. Hallelujah. He said, I'm going to dwell in the midst of them where two or three are gathered together calling on my name. Amen. At the place where my people are willing to call on my name, where my people will buy. Come on, church, let's talk to the Lord right now. Come on, more than just one or two. Hallelujah. Let's lift our voices and talk to the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus. We trust you, God. We believe you, Savior. It's in your presence, God, where fullness of joy comes from. At your right hand, pleasures forevermore. Come on, let's just talk to the Lord for a moment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lift your voices. Let's talk to him. Oh, Sister Tori, you could come. Hallelujah. Let's all talk to the Lord just for a moment. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Somebody call on the name of the Lord this morning. Mm, Jesus. Hallelujah. The house of God is the assembling of the church. Those who are called out. When God's people come together, he said he would dwell in the midst of them if we call on his name. House of God begins to form when his glory, his presence meets with his people. Just like on the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2 verse 1, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I couldn't find a more perfect description of the house of God in the pages of God's Word than what I just read to you. When they were all with one accord in one place, they began to speak. They called on the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. And the Spirit helped them. Spirit gave them grace. The Spirit gave them utterance. And it was in that place, not very many days later, those where they felt the presence of God, where they cried out to God, called on the name of the Lord, at the appointed time, as Jesus commanded them to go to Jerusalem, that the Lord spoke to them. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. When they heard this, 
they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Holy Ghost came upon Peter that day. And then Peter said unto them, verse 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you, to your children, to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did they testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day they were, there were added unto them 3,000 souls. That's the house of God. It's the house of God where we hear from God. It's the house of God where we meet with God. And it's the house of God where we talk to God. I want to open up these altars this morning. I've got a bit more here, but I don't feel like pushing forward. I feel like the time has come for the people of God to call on the name of the Lord. I wonder if this morning we can take these last few moments and turn this place to the house of God. Let it be more than just a name. What did you come to church for today? Acts chapter 22. For thou shalt be his witness unto all men. That's us. We should be his witness to all men. Of what thou hast seen and heard. And now, why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized. And wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Just like Abram and Isaac and Jacob of old. Just like they met with the Lord. We, let's all stand together. We could all meet with him in this place this morning. The psalmist said in Psalm 42, verse 4, When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God. With a voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept holy day. My question this morning is, is this to you, the house of God in name only? Is it the house of God because this is where the multitude goes? Or do you come with the voice of joy and with praise? Do you come calling on the name of the Lord? Jesus said in Matthew 21, 13, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. I wonder if we can turn this place into the house of God for just a few moments. Can we just dedicate this time? Or is... Is it too important? And, and again, I'm not, I'm not trying to guilt trip anybody into any kind of response. This is an earnest question. I'm honestly asking. Can we take this time and dedicate it to the Lord? Can we turn this place into the house of God? Do you remember the time that you was in distress? If you're not in distress now. If you are in distress now, this is these altars are the place for you. If you're not in distress, remember that time that the Lord met with you. Asaph, are your feet almost gone? Are your steps slipping? Are you envying at the foolish? These altars are open. 
Psalm 55 and 1, give an ear to my prayer, O God. Hide not thy face from my supplication. Attend unto me and hear me. I mourn in my complaint and make a noise. Because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they cast iniquity upon me, and in wrath they hate me. My heart is sore, pain within me. Terrors of death are falling upon me. Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me, and horror hath overwhelmed me. And I said, oh, that I had wings like a dove. For then would I fly away and be at rest. Lo, then would I wander far off and remain in the wilderness, say law. I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. Destroy, O Lord, and divide their tongues, for I have seen violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go about upon thy walls thereof. Mischief also and sorrow are in the midst of it. Wickedness is in the midst thereof, deceit and guile. Depart not from her streets. For it was not an enemy that reproached me, then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me that did magnify himself against me. Then I would have hid myself from him, but it was thou, a man mine equal, my guide, mine acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together (laughs) and walked into the house of God in company. Let death seize upon them and let them go down quick into hell for wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. As for me, I will call upon God and the Lord shall save me. 